0: everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for being here, as always. I have so many things that I want to talk to you about, um, things that I'm working on, things that I have on the go, programs and courses and books and all kinds of exciting things, but I kind of feel like I just want to like get to the chase with this one because – It's really, really epic. So I think I'm going to skip all of it today and just tell you that if you do want to know about all of the exciting things that I have going on, um, I would love for you to follow me on social media. Um, I'm on Instagram at The Muscle Maven. You can go to my website. It's Ashleyvanhouten.com. This is all in the show notes. You can sign up for my newsletter. I send out two a month with tons of information, special offers, reading, recommendations, all kinds of resources. And I also keep you posted on what's going on in my life um, and things that I'm producing and creating for you. But I gotta just, I just gotta get to this because I'm not sure how I'm going to do an intro for today's guest, uh, Justice. I just it's it's going to be really tough for me. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm really excited for you to just hear the interview, but I have to give you a little bit of background first. So, um, my guest today, her name is Callie Russell, and she is uh, an ancestral living expert. She's a goat herder. Um, she is a hunter and gatherer and scavenger. Even she calls herself. She's a survivalist, really. Um, in the most basic sense of the word, in the truest sense of the word. Um, but she is also somebody who has accomplished something that very few people have, um, and done it in a way that we all get to watch very, very closely and intimately and see the, the sort of epic struggle and journey that she went through and the highs and the lows. And um, it's just really, really incredible. She is one of the toughest, most resilient, most capable, most positive um, human beings that I have ever witnessed and then got to know a little bit and and got to speak to. Um, And I think that I talk a lot about Resilience on this podcast. And I talk a lot about strong people and impressive people um, because that's really what I'm into. I like to (laughs) learn from people who are strong and who work hard and who are intelligent and who have valuable skills that they're willing to pass along to other people and knowledge. Um, But Callie's abilities and skills and knowledge are, uh, on one hand, so. instinctive and human that they were essentially the basic skills of of human beings before modern times but now are so unique and exceptional that it's just sort of awe-inspiring to watch her um, because now we consider people who are smart people who you know have read or written a lot of books or who have accomplished a lot academically or professionally or make a lot of money or who are very popular or whatever. Um, But the stuff that she is able to do and the gratitude and happiness and peace that she's able to do it with is something that is just so, so unique. Um, And so... Okay, so just, again, to, t- to talk about the, sh- the thing that she did, because some of you who know her are like, yeah, yeah, get onto it. And some of you are like, who is this person you're talking about? She was a contestant on a um, reality show called Alone, um, a real reality show, not like the scripted ones with people who are pretending to, I don't know, whatever it is people do on reality TV these days. The premise of the show is that people are brought out into the wilderness and left there alone to survive they document their time with cameras Um, they're checked in on periodically to make sure that they are literally surviving they've got 10 items that they get to choose so they've got a pot and a saw and a tarp things like that Um, they're also usually and in the case of Callie in the season that she did season seven go watch it if you have not watched it seriously stop the podcast and go watch it Uh, they were in the Canadian Arctic which is a real rough really, really intense place to live without anything but your own wits and a couple (laughs) survival items. Um, and what was unique about this episode, uh, this season was that they, instead of having 10 people go out and they stay as long as they can and sort of, it was last man or woman standing that wins and wins money and wins the prestige. Um, In this case, they had 100 days. They knew they had to be out there for 100 days, and whoever made it to 100 days was the winner. Now, I will give you a spoiler alert. Again, stop and go watch it if you don't want the spoiler. Callie did not win. She was the runner-up. She came second. Um, But her experience was so just incredible to watch because she was one of the happiest people I have ever seen, much less living out there in the frigid cold, completely alone, slowly starving. Let's be honest, um, with nothing but her own company and her own abilities, um, it was just it was just really, really epic to watch. And especially during a period of time where I personally was quarantined, stuck in the house, feeling really bad for myself and the rest of the world, and kind of having a pity party at home, and then watching what this woman went through uh, was really um, good for perspective, we'll say. So anyway, got to get her on the show. She very graciously decided to come on and talk to me a little bit about her life, her background, her um, values, her goals, what it was like being on the show. I get to ask her a bunch of behind-the-scenes questions like how you recover, how you reintegrate back into society after months of living off of rabbits that you caught in the freezing wilderness. Um, yeah. Uh, talking about that process, talking about how she cultivates gratitude, um, how she looks at hardship, um, and she has a lot of insights. Um, so this one was a really special one for me and I hope that you enjoy it. I really wanted to keep this intro short, but it's kind of, it's kind of tough. So, um, enjoy the episode go follow Callie on Instagram Um, her information is in the show notes watch the show guys it's so good Um, and that's it enjoy all right Callie we're we're going welcome to the podcast thank you for being here All right. Thanks so much.
1: It's it's thanks for inviting me.
0: I am so pumped that you're outside. Of course, that is very on brand for you. Just out out in the wilderness. That's where you like to be, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Plus, then I get to do two things at once, which is uh, talk to you. And also my goats are out grazing. So they're just all around eating. So I get to get one of my chores done at the same time.
0: That's amazing. A happy tour, um, though, of course. I, I have some goat questions for you, too. Um, you're in Montana, right?
1: Yeah, right okay. now. So I move around a lot. i um pretty nomadic, but I'm up in Montana right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. And how is, I mean, I think probably since you, you don't live a, a typical life, I mean, who knows what that even means, but you don't maybe <laughs> live a life that's very familiar to a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast, but how is how is Montana? How is work and where you are right now, like these days with everything that's going on?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's shifted for sure. You know, everything, everybody's life's a little bit different this year or a lot bit different. And um, for me, I feel fortunate in a lot of ways that um, I tend to spend a lot of time out away from kind of big population centers anyway. So in some ways, I feel like my life wasn't as affected. I know you know, earlier in the spring when some people couldn't even get any, couldn't get food. They couldn't get milk, eggs, meat. They couldn't get any of their fresh foods at the stores. I'm like, well, I am like have gallons of fresh milk coming in every day. And so, you know, I was able to, I feel very fortunate that the lifestyle I have was a little um, pretty resilient. I try to stay resilient for who knows what I think the way I live just requires me to be adaptable and resilient. Mm -hmm. Um, It has affected work because I teach workshops is what I do. And a lot of time travel to teach those things. And Mm -hmm. so I've just kind of this year, I've kept things a lot more local, instead of traveling around as much. But it's, you know, Montana's as beautiful as ever. Um, The goats are as happy as ever. And, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful, abundant life, depending on what you're how you choose to look at things
0: yeah absolutely yeah. so with the work that you do with your goats are you providing um like milk cheese for other people or are you kind of providing it for you like how what, what are you doing there
1: yeah so the goats uh for me have you know they're multi multi-purpose is why i have goats but part of it is it's um they subsistence to me they're a subsistence herd and so they provide for me they provide you know, milk, yogurt, kefir, cheese. Um, and of course, you know, sometimes I do harvest them too. So then that's, as you know, all the amazing things, bone broth, meat, fat, organs, hides. I'm a hide tanner too. So, mm-hmm. you know, every part of them gets used and they're also trained packers. So when I go out into the wilderness, I get to stay out in the wilderness a uh, quite a long time because they, they allow me to do that. Nice. And yeah. And so it's, it's for me and whoever's hanging out with me, but also I do provide for others to, um, you know, I have several friends that we have trades going. So I have a friend that has chickens. And so I trade milk for eggs with them and I trade milk for mostly foods, so other items, but mostly food items. So I have a friend that, you know, like canned a bunch of apples and made applesauce and traded milk for that so that kind of thing so
0: that's amazing I mean what what's more important than food as I'm sure we can talk about when we get into your uh your alone stint um but (laughs) you know when you're self-sufficient and you can make your own clothing and you can make your own gear and like things that you need to take care of yourself I mean food it really kind of boils down to what's absolutely the most important and ultimately usually that comes down to food
1: yeah yeah exactly. And I think that um there's a exactly yeah yeah
0: yeah, okay, so let's just I just need to dive into this because I'm just so I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm such a huge fan of you and your mindset and your your performance, like what you did on that show, um and you know i when I watched it it. It was something that has been really getting me through the last like 10 months that's been tough like we said for everybody and it's been really really cool for me to watch the show I've now been through all the seasons but it's it's a really good kind of perspective shift for me because it's very easy for all of us in a time of uncertainty and stress and all these things to to feel ungrateful and to feel angry and frustrated and you know I can't do so many of the things that I I like to do and and to travel and go places and eat at a restaurant and then I'm watching this show, and I'm seeing what you guys have to have to do get to do um, and in many cases enjoy doing and it's so pared down to just basic survival and the amount of. Um, just joy and success that you can get from that. It's just so, it's so incredible. And it's such a good, like refreshing perspective change for those of us living very comfortable lives, most of us, you know? Um, and and I, it's funny how like it, perspective we talk about what's normal. Like I get a lot of people in my community thinking I'm like not normal or I'm extreme because <laughs> I like Oregon meats, right? We'll talk about that. And, you know, cause I don't have a TV. I gotta like find you on the internet somewhere to to, you know, watch the show. Um, but you've got a completely different outlook on, on life and what's normal for you. And so it seemed like when you got into the show, it was like less of a transition than maybe some others, you know, like you were just so self-sufficient and ready and okay with what was coming, you know? Um, but can you, can you just talk a little bit about like, I guess from the beginning, like where did you find out about the show? Had you been a fan of the show? Did you watch it? Did somebody, tell you about it you decide to go on it did you know you wanted to do it talk about it from the very beginning for us
1: yeah so the very beginning is um well gosh i heard about it um a few years ago i was actually working with a group of teens um out in the wilderness we were on a a wilderness i was on a wilderness trip with some teenagers and they were kind of updating me on things of the modern world because i had no clue i had just been living living out in the wilderness wilderness with my goats and just didn't know what was going on. So they were telling me about, you know, what a hashtag was and who the Kardashians were. I'm like, I have no idea. You're not missing much, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't think it doesn't matter, you know, what a hashtag is. Um, But (laughs) anyway, and they were like, there's this TV show called Alone and you would be so good on it. you got to go on it. And I was like, ah, no. And they told me the premise. Oh, you get 10 items and this kind of thing. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, if I could bring a couple goats as my items, I am there, I'll do it. (laughs) And so that was how I first heard out about the show. And then a few years later, they, I guess they heard about me through the grapevine, through the, you know, ancestral skills community. And someone told them about me and they, uh, the casting agent called me and, uh, or emailed or something like that. And asked if I'd go on the show. And I was like, gosh, I don't, I was a little bit nervous about having my life be in the public eye like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely wanted the adventure and that experience, but I just, I wasn't it, that's a big step as step as far it's as huge. stepping out of my comfort zone. You know, I am just like in the backwoods happy there. Um, and so I actually declined. I was like, no, I just doesn't, I just don't want to be out in the public eye like that. Um, And also, well, that's a whole other tangent. So I won't even go there, but (laughs) we can
0: maybe go there later too. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But then um, the next year they called me back and they're like, Callie, we're casting for the next season. We'd really like to have you on. And I sat with it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus on the positive things of this. Yes. It's getting out of my comfort zone. It's doing something that I'm uncomfortable with. But sometimes life asks you to do that and these doorways open and you just have to walk through them and you know, you you can tell the difference between like, no, that's not the right thing for me and my path or I'm hesitant because that's scary and I feel like it's bigger than me but I know I need to do it. And it was so clear to me that that was just the next phase of my journey. And I really viewed it as sort of this rites of passage for me to step through into this next chapter of my life. And so um, so that's how it started. And I'm very, very happy that I did it. It was a, you know, experience of a lifetime for sure. It's
0: so crazy, you got recruited. Most people are like, oh, could I do this? Could I try to do this? And they were hunting you down to come on the show.
1: <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they were and i almost felt kind of bad about that i was like man i feel kind of like a like an ass you know all these people are like w- like we'll do anything for this opportunity and i'm just de- decline it but the thing i have some kind of personal philosophies that i live by and one is i won't do something just for money mm-hmm. um there has to be other reasons. And, and that was one thing. And also I just, everything I do has to come from this really authentic place inside of me, not just because someone's asking me to do it or because there's pressure from society or it's just a chance to make money or that kind of thing. And so I had to wait for that part of it to come for me. And it did. So, yeah,
0: it's, it's funny too, because for most people, the idea of going on that show, when you think like, what's, what's the thing that intimidates you the most, it would be like, I don't know, being alone for months, being <laughs> uncomfortable for months. And for you, I mean, because most of us are, I don't want to say most, a lot of us are becoming increasingly comfortable with sharing lots of aspects of our lives online to anybody <laughs> who cares to look at it, right? It's kind of a weird concept when we think about it, but it's even more intense for this show because it's not just you on TV so people can see your face and you talk a little bit about your life. Like people are seeing you at, you know, some, for some, some people like your high, your highest highs, your lowest lows, incredibly stressful, scary moments, dangerous moments. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just for people who, who maybe are uncomfortable with it, but also people who are scared of showing like vulnerability. And I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Like when I think about this too, I'm like some, you're, you're watching some people breaking down you're watching some people having moments that are incredibly personal and we're all kind of taking part in it so I mean that that part is very intimidating for me much less the cold and the the hunger and all the other things that come with it but um yeah it's crazy
1: yeah same for me same for me I was excited for the sort of survival wilderness experience I'm like yes I want to test my skills. I want to connect deeper to the land and to the wild. I am ready for that. But the part of it that's public, the part of it that's filmed, that part was the thing that made me uncomfortable. And that was the part that was stepping outside of my comfort zone because you have, it's like complete surrender. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. That's going to be really, really hard. I'm going to have successes. Probably I'm going to for sure have failures. I'm going to be showing all of my emotions. I'm going to be cracked open and raw, and the whole world is going to see me. And it's going to be an edited version, too. So you don't know exactly what your edit's going to be like. And you're just handing over, you're like, here's my super vulnerable self. And this, ex- I'm going on, you go on this very personal soul journey, and you just sort of hand over the footage. Yeah. And you have to just surrender to whatever happens and what's shown to the world and how people receive it, something that you might think, was really amazing the public thinks was horrible or vice versa and so you you just have to surrender to it and that's the thing that is is very scary um but you know with with fear overcome it stepping into fear is how you grow
0: yeah i wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the the editing because one of the things that i found watching you and watching that season and watching all the seasons is that to me we, you talked about resilience a little bit earlier. Not only were you obviously one of the most resilient considering how long you lasted and all the things that you kind of went through, but one of the most positive, like one of the most positive and just seemingly grounded people. Like you just managed to, to be grateful for everything. You managed to be positive and happy so much of the time when a lot of people were like, look, I'm just gonna keep doing this, but like I'm in hell, like this is the worst. And you just, you just seemed like such a happy, and grateful person every day were there moments that we didn't see were there some cr- real bottoming out low, sad scary moments that we didn't see um, was there some stuff that looking back you were like, oh they they left that out I'm kind of surprised like was there anything about the edit that you were kind of surprised about
1: well, I do feel that my I'm grateful because I feel like my essence really did come through that my essence and the core of my journey came through. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, there's definitely really there's cool things that I did and that happened in like these big awakenings that I would share to the camera that, you know, weren't shown or funny, you know, funny things or stuff like that. Um but I, but as far as, you know, did I just turn the camera off and ball my eyes out? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, it was, it was really interesting. I know like crazy for people to believe, but I was so happy out there. So happy. Towards the end, the last, um, say 10 days were extremely cold. There was a cold snap. It was easily negative 40 plus wind chill, and it was cold and um, the cold. And so that last 10 days, I became aware of like, okay, this is really intense. This is seriously intense. Um, and it was a little in that place. I was a little bit more in survival mode. Um, but the whole journey up to that, I, w- I would just wake up. I was so happy. I was like, I just love this. I get to live like this. I'm living my dream and I I really was that happy out there the whole time and it was so bizarre I didn't cry up until the very end and that surprised me too because I'll I'm not afraid to cry I'll cry you know tears of joy or when I kill animals I'll usually cry just because I'm so thankful for their they're literally giving their life and I'll usually shed some tears but I didn't and it's not because I I did feel those emotions but I also just felt this this great sense of balance and peace and for some reason that the tears just didn't come until it was time for me to leave so
0: this is why the, the, this is reality tv that is actually real i believe as close as we can get to it because you know i think the idea of reality tv you talked about kardashians like there's nothing about that that isn't staged and rehearsed and and you know created right but for you guys no one's telling you what to do or how to feel or where to go or what to eat and whatever you're capturing, you're capturing. Did you get more comfortable with having the camera everywhere you went and talking to it? Like it was a person, like eventually did that almost become kind of a positive thing? Like it was somebody to talk to, or was it always weird?
1: Um, Well, I did. I definitely got more comfortable with having the camera with me and and just in just speaking it to, you know, like the camera was my friend. Um, I knew that there was one person that had to watch all of my footage. They were assigned, you know, each one of us was assigned to someone and they were, they had to watch it all, you know, all the boring stuff, the thousands of hours. And so I would think about that person a lot and I made up a name for them and, just you know, would talk to them. So I got really comfortable, but the, it was always annoying. The camera was always annoying because you think about it, you're in this, A very legitimate survival experience where the surviving is a full-time job, completely a full-time job. Um, I know in earlier seasons, uh, people are shown just kind of like relaxing and bored and sleeping a lot. I don't know if it's just the difference in the climate and how intense I knew just this very intense winter was coming and there wasn't any time to, to waste really. And so having that, so, but then the filming is a full-time job. So you're trying to balance that and you, i would expend i think half of my calories i expended was just on the camera yeah. all the camera li- related things and this little goat <laughs> do these guys really have wants names to... do they all have names yes. yeah they do this goat right here is katan okay katan definitely
0: likes being on camera i think welcome yeah welcome she's to the not show. she's not shy of the camera
1: <laughs> and what was the other part of that that i wanted to say
0: like for hunting, camera. I would think it would be extra bad because I mean, hunting is obviously such an involved process and you really don't want to be dealing with extra movement and extra time and focusing elsewhere. That would make it a, an incredibly hard job, even harder, right?
1: Exactly. So the camera was a definite interference. It was basically like having, you know, a like a, a you know, a little sip, a little, sorry, the, the katana is trying to knock over the camera over the the camera here um okay. but yeah for hunting it was so hard it was like having a, a a unaware noisy child with you that always needed its diaper changed and needed like lots of attention and you had to have your the baby bag with you with all the stuff in it and as soon as you get there then the, the baby's got to go to the bathroom or whatever it is. And is you're like oh your your battery ran out again oh yeah. your memory card oh and then yeah the the noise you're also doing everything one-handed So you're carrying that camera around and then to draw back your bow, because I have the camera in one hand and my bow in the other. Everywhere I went, I had my bow in my hand, Mm -hmm. almost everywhere. And so then I see, you know, I see something. I see a grouse in a tree or a squirrel, and then I have to set the camera down before I can draw back my bow yeah. and as quiet as I'd try to be, it was noisy and I'd have to pop the little tripod leg out really quiet and set it down. And the tripod leg would be like, boink, squeak. <laughs> and, there go the animals. You know, yeah. Exactly. They're gone. Um, so the camera was a pain, a big pain in the butt, that's for sure
0: how often did you think of the other contestants? Like, did you spend time like imagining like, how were those guys doing? Like, I wonder how many people are left or did you really not focus on other people that much?
1: Right, in the beginning, I, I did think of them a bit because I thought I would think about them a lot actually because before we go out, we get a week at base camp together and we get trained on how to use the camera gear and all that kind of stuff. And then, so you get so bonded to the other contestants and you're just become best buds. And then you all get dropped in your, you know, your separate locations way far away, maybe never to see them again. Mm -hmm. And, and so I thought that I was going to think about them quite a bit. And the first few days I thought about them a little, but then I just sort of dropped into my own experience. And every now and then I'd wonder, you know, I wonder what you know, everyone's up to, or wonder how everyone's doing. And I would, I would actually wish them well, because I know for a lot of people, this was a competition and they're like, Oh, I'm going to be the top dog standing because I want that money. But for me, it felt, I felt a lot of camaraderie amongst the other contestants and kind of more like we were all going on this amazing journey together. And I really, I would wish people well. So when I think about them, I just think, Oh, I hope, I hope everyone's staying safe and taking care of themselves and Mm -hmm. having an awesome time. So,
0: well, I mean, one thing I feel like a lot of people who maybe haven't been through something like this and if they hear, you know, I'm not, I'm not really in it for the money and somebody might roll their eyes and be like, really, you're going to do something that uncomfortable and you don't care about the money. But one of the things that I found fascinating from watching the show again is, is again, when you're in that life or death situation, how quickly the situation boils down to what actually matters. And a lot of the people who go into it that are going into it for the money quickly realize. I don't need that money as much as I thought I did. Like here are the other things that actually matter, which is maybe my family or a hot shower or my safety or whatever it is that, you know, eventually leads them to, to leave or to finish their journey and not feel like I failed. I didn't get the money. I didn't beat everybody else. Like they leave knowing that they did what they were there to do, you know, which I thought it was another really impressive thing about this because I mean, half a million dollars sounds like a lot of money, but watching what you guys did, there's not too many people in the pl- on the planet that would even sign up for something like that with the guarantee that they'd win that kind of money. Like, it's just, it's so difficult. It's so challenging. So yeah, I mean, I exactly. can see that. Yeah, but I mean, with that said, exactly. you were the second second to last person to finish, right? And this was, was this, this, this was the only season that you knew how long you had to stay out there, right? It was the hundred days. Is that right? Right.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah that's right. So spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> yeah. For anybody but- who hasn't seen it guys, anybody who's listening to this, who hasn't seen it yet, just stop immediately and go watch the season. Like, what are you doing? But do you think like in retrospect, if you were doing this for a competition, what do you think that the, you know, knowing that it's hundred days, which is an incredibly long time in that climate and that environment, do you think that that's easier on your brain than who knows? It could be 30 days, but it could be five months i don't know like w- which kind of way do you think seems more challenging for you
1: i think the 100 day challenge made it uh, the mental game a little bit easier because in previous seasons they would just say you know get your affairs in order to be gone for a year and so that's what they were mentally preparing people for and you know no- nothing came even close yeah you know the season i was on season seven was the longest lasting season yeah. um but so that it, that it, unknown I think is a lot more challenging for people and the known is easier and so 100 days that made it easier for me to plan out like for example there wasn't a lot of like really easy firewood in my area so I had to sort of manage my firewood situation and so I was like okay 100 days I know I'm managing my firewood to last 100 days and so Mm -hmm. that made it a lot easier than being like well it could be you know 60 days or it could be 160 days so I think that was easier and then just to touch on your last comment, um, I wasn't doing it just for the money, but um, for the people that roll their eyes, no doubt I would appreciate the money, right? Sure. I think anybody is <laughs> definitely going to welcome that into their life. Yeah. So um, It's no small also, amount of
0: money to, to consider, that's for sure.
1: Right, exactly. So no doubt I would appreciate and welcome and utilize that money to its fullest. But And then what you were saying is totally right. When people are out there, they're like, I'm going, if you are only out there for the money, it seems like that's not, that at once seems like this huge motivation. But when you get out there and you get into the thick of it and you get super uncomfortable and you have to face face all of those challenges internally and externally, the money seems much more small. So you kind of have to have something else that's driving you, whether you're doing it for your family or you're doing it for <laughs> she's they'll eat anything right isn't that yeah <laughs> and they eat a lot of things the goats and then on this on the season I was on Mark who was another contestant who's incredible he said something that I love and he said you realize when you're out here everything you want you already have and I think that that's really beautiful and so true you start thinking when you're out there, you just start thinking, you you start counting your blessings, all the things that you took for granted back at home, you start counting them and you're like, Oh, you know, so yeah.
0: Okay. Goats. (laughs) How many do you have? How many goats do you have?
1: Uh, I have seven right now okay. and then some more on the way. Some of my girls are pregnant. So have have little babies Baby coming goats. in in spring. Oh, yeah. That's
0: so cute. <laughs> um, okay. So you were, you ended up being removed relatively close to the, like quite close to the end, only a few days out. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was from frostbite. Is that right? You had a little bit of frostbite on your toe. Yeah. So that's correct. do you feel in retrospect Um, and this is, I'm sure all of it depends on your personality and kind of your mind frame when you're out there, but do you think it would have been easier or you would feel better if you had not won, but you had left of your own volition, right? Like maybe you hit 85 days and you were like, you know what? I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm good versus being removed. Or do you feel better that you were like, I did everything I could. I didn't give up it was circumstances kind of outside of my c- control you know that that had me leaving before the end like how do you feel about the the kind of two possible options there
1: right well it's interesting because i going in i didn't want to be i wanted to push myself to my edge but not over the edge and so i knew that i was totally signing up to push myself as far as I could go, but I didn't want to push myself over. And so I, you know, agreed to myself before I went out there that before I went over that edge, I, you know, I would tap if it came to it. I hope it wouldn't come to that, but I wasn't, I didn't want to do permanent damage to my body. And that is something that is a risk. A lot of people that have gone on the show have done some kind of permanent damage to their body just because of what you put yourself through. Um, and your digestive system, there's people that have that are still, you know, working on digestive problems that they have yeah. and things like that. So it's a it's a huge toll that you ask of your body. And I wanted to come out with a full, strong body and intact. I didn't mm-hmm. wanna, you know, sacrifice an arm or something like that. Is where some people say that they would give up an arm for half a million dollars, but I don't know if that's a lot of people say that, but I don't think it's true. I mean, our bodies are a, such a gift, and I don't, I don't know how you could trade part of your body and your health and well-being and ability for something like money. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt, money can do a lot of cool things, but Can't it bring it you your doesn't own back. exactly. So, anyway, but to answer your question, I think it was mentally easier to know that i did what i could and the decision was out of my hands but that being said i think that there's a lot of power in the people that listen to their bodies and they know when it's time to go Mm -hmm. i know the audience a lot of times can be like oh they gave up they could have pushed harder and this and that but the thing is if you weren't there you don't know that and a lot of the people that end up tapping they Some people, you know, yeah, maybe they had some more in them, but a lot of people that it lasted a long time, like Kai, for example, who was the other woman on this season, she made the choice on her own. And a lot of people are like, oh, you have, you have it more in you and this and that. And she is amazing. She is strong. No doubt she could have gone further because she's so strong and she had food and she had it locked in, but she made the choice for herself. And it was a very wise choice because she knows that cold weather. She's from Canada like you, and she mm-hmm. knows that cold and that that staying out there that she was risking frostbite. She was absolutely aware that she was risking frostbite. And to her, that meant her career. And she yeah. can't have be the person with sensitive fingers and toes with the, the career she leaves. And so anyway, I just want to say that I have a lot of respect for people like Kai that make that decision for themselves because just because the decision's out of your hand Um, doesn't mean it's the right decision for you.
0: Hey, everybody. Just interrupting the podcast for a hot minute. I got to tell you, I'm very pleased and excited that I have a new show partner and a new healthy offering for you guys. I've teamed up with a company that you may already be familiar with since they are big players in the healthy supplement world. I'm talking about Organifi. They're the makers of a line of superfood blends you can mix into your beverages, your smoothies. They're super low in sugar and high in nutrition. Now you may be thinking, hey, Ashley, aren't you the organ meat woman? You don't eat a lot of vegetables i have to say, yeah, that's mostly correct, <laughs> but I'm not anti-plant, I'm not anti-vegetable, I am just very pro-animal protein and nutrient density, and I'm pro-finding ways to add the most variety of high-quality nutrients to your diet as you can for your lifestyle and your diet. So while many people might eat salads every day, they might consider themselves plant-based, but maybe they supplement with things like organ meat pills, Or whey protein because they recognize the value. I kind of come at it the other way. I like to prioritize nutrient dense meat and supplement with things like, for example, Organifi Red Juice, which I think tastes really good. It's loaded with tons of fruit and veggie based antioxidants. It's got adaptogens. It has things like cordyceps and reishi and rhodiola, which I'm usually taking separately. So now I can put it all together. Super easy and convenient. And it means I don't necessarily have to waste my time buying a bunch of vegetables when I'd rather eat a steak with a red juice on the side. You got to find balance, people. That's it. We got to understand at the core that food is about nutrition and fuel. It's not about identity or someone kind of being better than anyone else. It's just about finding the balance and the nutrition that you need. So, Organifi has a few different offerings. They've got the red juice, like I said, which is I think probably my favorite. They have a greens juice or powder that goes great in smoothies. They've got uh, Organified Gold, which is a really good calming drink like for the evening after dinner. It has turmeric and lemon balm. They just came out with some single serve packets rather than tubs. So you can kind of bring it with you wherever you go. The quality is amazing. It's convenient and it improves your health and your immunity, which is something that I know a lot of us are focusing on right now. So you want to try some tasty, drinkable superfoods, add it to your already amazing organ meat-filled diet, I'm sure. Uh, You can go to Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Muscle Maven. That's in the show notes too. And use the code, of course, Muscle Maven for 15% off. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions before you buy, send me a message, either on email or Instagram, Uh, I'll do my best to get you the information you need because the company is really transparent and great about answering your questions. That's what I'm trying to be about too. So that's all. I hope you try it. I hope you like it. Now back to the show. absolutely she she was another of my favorites of course it was very hard for me to you know i like everybody that does it and i like everybody's personalities but it was hard for me not to root for the women and just the fact that like it was two women in the top three and i was just like this is so badass and amazing i was just so excited every time i watched it um I want to actually go back and talk a little bit about like this the recovery thing, because I feel like one of the things that we as viewers don't get to see as much, and I would love for them to do, Like they always do this like after the show kind of gathering, and they bring people together to talk about the show, but I would love for people to talk a little bit more about their recovery, and especially some people who maybe were really injured. Some people were removed from the show because of how much weight they lost. It was really quite shocking to see after the fact, but can you talk a little bit about your recovery afterwards? I mean, did you have to, you know, you probably had to gain a couple pounds afterwards. Um, you know, you lost a few while you were out there and like, and things like just like you were touching on digestion and things like that. Like what, what was the recovery process like when you got home?
1: Right. Yeah. Great question. Well, it was sort of a lot. Yeah. I definitely needed to put on weight. One of the things you don't realize out there too is dehydration. People sort of forget about that, but it is. So I tried, I thought I was doing so well with hydration. I, but it takes so much effort because you only have this one container, a two quart pot. That's your only container. The only thing you can boil water in and everything you drink, you should boil it just to be on the safe side. And you have to, you know, I had to hike down to the lake, chop a hole in the ice, get my water, carry it back up a hill you know, get your fire going, boil the water. This it's very involved to drink water. And so, so I think almost everybody, if you stay out for long enough, comes in really dehydrated. And I know I was super dehydrated. So there was just a process of like getting liquids in me and um, being able to hold on to the liquids too. But so the process is they don't just um, take people out of the field and then send them right home. There's a whole refeeding program and people that were out as long as Kai, Kylan and I we're at the base camp for about two weeks and go through this very strict refeeding program because you can actually, there's this thing called refeeding syndrome and you can actually die during refeeding. If, if you've been starving, you can die. And they learned about this, you know, after, you know, like rescuing sort of like Holocaust victims and then they were refeeding them and then they were dying. They're like, why are these people dying? We just rescued them. And it's because if you're starving and then all of a sudden you introduce new foods and then your electrolyte balance gets off, you can actually go into cardiac arrest.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So you probably know a lot of your listeners probably know about that because you guys are all. Super into knowing how the body works. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But hydration, I mean, that hydration is something that is a lot more, I think, complicated. I've had somebody just on the podcast recently talking about it that people, I think a lot of people do think it's like, oh, well, if you just drink, you know, your eight glasses of water a day, you're good. But it's way more than just water. It's about what's in the water. It's about electrolytes and minerals and that you can actually do damage by drinking too much water if you offset those balances and stuff. So it's good to hear that the show was really, um, you know, concerned with that and doing the right thing
1: right yeah when we came off when you're out there you're on your own and everyone and also salt too if you think about that salt is a huge thing and i know i was you know eating ashes there's some salt in in ashes from the fire and that but i don't think anybody was getting nearly enough salt there's also salt you know in like the blood of animals and that kind of thing but so everybody that comes out is just dehydrated but Yeah. The refeeding was a process and it was very slow. They'd, you know, measure the amounts of food they would give me and like slowly work me up. So it was about two weeks until I could eat basically what I wanted to, which I only wanted to eat what was going to be good for me at that Mm -hmm. point.
0: So you didn't have to eat. No, go ahead. ahead.
1: Sorry. And of course I had to pack on weight and then the whole toe thing too. I had to rewarm the toe and keep that thing bandaged. And there was a whole process with my, my frostbite as well.
0: But your toe is completely healed?
1: Yeah, it's completely healed now. Um, but my fingers and toes are very sensitive to the cold, yeah. a, a lot more sensitive than they were. So I know I'm, I'm always going to be more susceptible to frostbite because it's, per, it's permanent nerve damage. So mm-hmm.
0: but um, so you're saying you didn't crave that whole time. You weren't like, just give me some kind of garbage food. Like you didn't have any dreams about some garbage junk food at all when you got back. Come on. <laughs> Maybe just one gross meal.
1: Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I had food dreams. I was obsessed with food, obsessed. Yeah. But I am
0: trying to think if I had dreams like you about, like, really about like really nasty cake. stuff. Yeah, or like McDonald's or like, you know, just something really greasy or sugary or.
1: Uh, I mean, I was obsessed with fat. I yeah. was like literally, so you know how, so my whole time out on the show, I didn't cry until the end. No tears for me. But then getting me back at base camp and around people and like buildings and foods and all that, I cried so many times about food. It was hilarious. After math, it's hilarious. But like I was crying. I was like, there's not enough fat in this food. I need fat. I need fat. And um, so I was obsessed with fat. And the, the I had to go to the hospital and I really didn't watch. I was begging them. I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go to town. I can't, I cannot go to the hospital. And they were like, Callie, you have to go to the hospital. And I was like, I can't do it. You guys don't understand the mental impact that's gonna have on me, on my psyche, I'm not ready. And, they like, and then one of the guys was like, Callie, there's a hippie food store in Yellowknife and they have grass-fed butter. And I was like, all right. All right, fine. <laughs> I'm grabbing my boots I'm going (laughs) I'm serious I like it was literally like that I like jumped off the couch I was like I'll go I'll go for the butter there is nothing better than
0: grass-fed butter
1: yeah and so I was just eating butter I had the butter that's what I wanted a butter grass-fed yogurt so I was just Mm. obsessed with fatty things but I didn't for some reason I wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking about nasty, like unhealthy things. My body, I just knew I was so connected to my body through that experience. A lot of our life, we're just really in our heads. Mm -hmm. So in our heads, I was so in my body and really in touch with what my body needed. And so I was just thinking about the things that my body actually needed. So I didn't think about junk food. And for example, during the refeeding one time, um, they brought me these crackers and then I looked at the box and there was sugar in the crackers and I literally started bawling. I was like, I'm so sorry, body. That's the last thing you need right now. You don't need this sugar and this process, whatever the heck it is. I was just bawling. And then the, the guy who was like bringing me my food, he's like, okay, we will not bring you these crackers. No and sugar more. crackers. Got it. Well, <laughs> it was like a
0: tiny bit of sugar. It's crazy though, because while I was watching, like, again, in this podcast and the work that I do, I talk, I talk and I learn a lot about nutrition, but still seeing things in real life survival situations versus clinical settings or hypothetical settings with just people living their normal lives. It's so different because, you know, there's a lot of talk in like the nutrition world about, you know, Carbs being bad, or too much fat being bad, and food being bad for you, that has is stuff that we've eaten throughout history, right? And I, I'm, you know, not as far along on the path of ancestral living as you are, but I I really admire and appreciate those um concepts, right? And watching the show and even seeing like that that idea of like protein starvation and how you can be eating rabbits every day and still be starving because you're not getting any fat. Um, and it was really incredible to watch. And it, that was obviously a common theme. There were a lot of people who were just like, please, like just I, what I wouldn't do for like a mouthful of butter right now, because your brain is mostly fat. I mean, your body runs on fat and it was just, it was really fascinating to see. Um, and the salt part too, which I hadn't really thought about. Cause I remember watching a lot of the time, like, obviously I'm a big meat eater and I like fish and rabbit and all of these things. And I just, I remember thinking a lot like, man, that, that meal wouldn't be too bad if you had a little salt on it. Like just sprinkle a little salt on that, It'd be delicious. But I, I guess I didn't think about the fact that blood and I guess ashes, you were saying too, have salt? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's, that's nuts.
1: Um, yeah, and there's a little bit of salt in the water. It's not, you know, it's not a salt, it's not the sea, but there's yeah. just a little bit of salt in that lake. And there's a little bit of salt here and there Um, in the environment and certain plants are more salty, but by the time we got there, there weren't, you know, very many green plants left. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Fat and salt.
0: And I mean, in survival situations, like carbs are great and plants are great and greens are great, but they're not keeping you alive at all. No one's surviving off the bits of berries and greens you can pick up off the ground any time of the year, really. So exactly Um, yeah do you still keep in touch with um like most of the folks from your season
1: yes yeah absolutely we're we're all pretty close um and keep in touch quite a bit actually it's it's pretty cute
0: that's awesome (laughs) um okay so I want to talk a little bit more about like the food side because obviously you and I share a um love of real nose-to-tail eating and um making use of the whole animal, right? Um, is that something that growing up was always natural for you? Or did you have to kind of get into that later in life?
1: It, definitely getting it, getting into it later than life. Growing okay. up with
0: it, absolutely not.
1: Okay, <laughs> I grew up, a, you know, a pretty mainstream life and I had no idea where my food came from. And, you know, my parents introduced me to the idea that, you know, some people don't understand that meat comes from an animal until quite late in life which is pretty astounding but I my parents did tell me that when I was a kid and they um, were kind of proponents of vegetarianism and so I decided they didn't push it or anything but when I was a teenager and I learned about the the food industry and I learned you know I read some books um, like Diet for New America and stuff that detail how meat gets to the grocery store and it completely broke my heart and I was like oh my gosh I don't want to be a part of that and so I did choose to be a vegetarian so I was a vegetarian for for almost 10 years starting when I was 14 or 15 and but I knew that humans needed meat because I was also obsessed with you know hunter gatherers and researching that kind of stuff so I knew that it was natural for human beings and our bodies to be consuming animals, but I didn't want to participate in the industrial food system because it was just so horrible. And I wanted the animals I ate to be treated with respect. So when I was 15, I made this pact to myself that if I was going to eat meat again, I was, I had to learn to hunt and fish or trap for myself and actually be a part of, you know, transitioning those animals into food. So yeah, it was not something I grew up with. And it wasn't until my early adulthood, my early 20s, where I was able to process um, my first animal. Uh, And whoa, talk about a life changing experience. The really realizing, like seeing that life that is in all of our food is this Mm -hmm. this power this energy this life force energy it's the life of another being and to actually see that and witness that and be a part of it is just completely transformational
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like i feel like this disconnection is probably a bigger problem than anything because it's sort of like our inability to see that we can respect life and respect animals and still consume them. That seems to be like sort of the biggest disconnect because yes, it's just like this black and white thing where it's like, okay, factory farming is bad. So then we should never eat animals, which isn't the answer, like it just isn't. It's not a practical, healthy, safe answer, um, but it's so easy for us to think in extremes and just say, okay, well, if killing the way that we see it is is wrong, then I guess we just can only eat plants because everything else is inhumane. But from the people that I have spoken to and worked with and farmers that I've talked to, and you know the people who often raise animals and harvest them, I mean, they love animals more than anyone else on the planet because the amount of yeah. work and effort and time and blood, sweat, and tears you have to put into taking care of these animals is way more than the average meat eater or vegetarian sitting at home watching, right? I mean, it's an incredible amount of work as you know, obviously.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think you just hit on some really important points there. And I think that it's about, cause I know for me, I was, oh, there's a plane going by. I hope that doesn't come in the sound yeah, too much.
0: That's all right. All right. We've, I mean, you've got such a fun background, like goats going everywhere. It's like, it's very real. I like it. <laughs> it's,
1: it's the, that's what you get with me. You yeah. get the real deal. So <laughs> for better or worse, it's the real deal all the time. But, um, yeah. But I think you just hit on some really important things. And for when I was a vegetarian, I was like hiking across the state of Arizona and my body was like, feed me meat. We need meat. And I do think I feel so much healthier now that I'm eating, you know, it's been well over a decade since I've been eating animals again, but the animal fat and the organ meats and all that just feels so important for a healthy body. And you Mm -hmm. think of historically and ancestrally, I cannot name one single, um, you know, indigenous group of people or tribal people that was a vegetarian or or a plant-based society, because in the, in the wild, that's just what's available as animals are our life force. Um, and so it is this, it is this interesting thing. How can we eat animals, but still love and respect them and also think about the environmental impacts and do it in a way that's not, you know, having such a hard impact on the environment and other species and waterways and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is a balance there. And I think a lot of people choose one end or the other and be like, oh, if you eat meat, then you don't love animals or whatever it is. Or if you, or if you do eat meat, then you don't love animals. And yeah, exactly what you said. The people yeah. that are hunting and raising animals typically have a lot of respect and admiration for them. And mm-hmm. that's like, uh, why I do what I do is I want to guarantee that the animals I'm eating have a good life and are treated with respect and honor. And so I'm going to do it with my, myself. And I think that that is really, it's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see more people having kind of like small scale, um, you know, cause not everybody, not everybody is going to have a freaking herd of goats, follow them around. That's crazy. That's insane. I <laughs> would tell you, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't necessarily recommend it, <laughs> but a lot of people want to know where their, the, their food's coming from. And if you're eating organ meats, it's even more important because you can't, you don't want to eat a liver of a farm or factory raised animal. Forget that you, if you're eating organs, filter organs, it needs to be from really healthy animals. And so I would love to see, you know, groups of people have sort of like animal shares. I have a friend that has a little farm in Colorado and they raise like 15, 20 pigs a year and they raise them for other people that, you know, they, they buy their pig ahead of time. And then they, they raise the pig all year and process them for them. And I think that that's such a good small scale model. And then all the people have a relationship and it's not too big of an impact on the environment because it's just this little local farm. And there's a couple of those, you know, surrounding cities and towns. I feel like that would be maybe a much more uh, resilient model and healthy for everybody involved.
0: It's a very cool idea. And, you know, just continuing on that, like some of the advice that I give around, you know, I wrote this whole book on organ meats because I feel that passionately about it, um, is, you know, the idea that we can start with small steps because if you are maybe a vegetarian for moral reasons, or if you are a traditional meat eater who has previously not wanted to sort of dig deeper and look into the process and you're trying to make these changes, you don't have to go from zero to hundred overnight. I mean, most of us can't or it's it's not necessarily realistic. So doing some research on things like, like animal shares and CSAs and like researching your local farmers and farmers markets and talking to them and having relationships with them and talking to your local butcher and things like that and just starting the process, um, little steps and getting more comfortable with that stuff. And, you know, I think partly from watching alone and also just from being stuck in the house and also writing this book, all of these reasons, like last year, I took my hunter safety course and my firearm safety course and all of these things, because I want to start um, engaging in that process too. And I'm not like pumped to go out and kill an animal, but I do think it's an important part of the experience for me. Like I'm a lifelong meat eater. And I'm like advocating for this stuff specifically. And I want to, I want to have a more, um, thorough, real from beginning to end experience. I think that's important. And I don't know if I'm going to love hunting. I don't know if I'm going to hate it, but I'm willing to give it a shot and have that experience. Cause I think it's important. Um, but I don't, not everybody has to, you know, but I think that, you know, if you're going to eat meat and, and turn away from that process and think that hunting is, <laughs> is bad. I mean, it's the same as like you said, people don't even connect that meat comes from an animal. They don't want to eat meat. That's on the bone because it makes them think of where it came from. And that I think is the biggest problem. Right. So, um, but just like I say, just small steps, like just, you know, talk to people, learn some things, make some, some slight adjustments to maybe where you're putting your money and where you're, you're buying your food. And, um, that can have a like cascading effect and in a positive way, I think.
1: Absolutely. I love that you have those recommendations in your book. That it sounds so solid. It's really solid advice. And also just like you said, connecting with other people, whether it's your local butcher, but also connecting with hunters, mm-hmm. because I, I will kill animals. I go hunting, but that's not my first choice. My first choice is scavenging and you can get a lot of good stuff from scavenging. A lot of hunters don't at least the ones that I run into even here in Montana don't like to eat heart or liver or kidneys they think it's really? all gross yeah I have hunters give me hearts and livers and kidneys all hunting season they don't want them they're like oh no I don't want that stuff and I'm like I don't know if I should let you tell you, you what this you're because missing because out then you, yeah. <laughs> then you won't give it to me anymore but I'm like yeah that's the bit be- my favorite part is the yeah. heart and liver I mean gosh yeah. So a lot of hunters or, you know, if they're hunters are packing their animals out, it's a little different of a story because they don't want to pack out extra things if you're, but you could go hunting with them just for the purpose of packing out the things that they're going to leave for the ravens. A lot of times, you know, heads and neck, well, heads are popular because the antlers, but um, not necessarily for eating and the necks and all these great things, all the bones, a lot of hunters don't want to pack out bones. They just bone out the meat you know, in the back country. Mm -hmm. So if you are willing to go backpacking with hunters and just be their little scavenger, um, fill your backpack with. Yeah. And I've done that tons of times. I've linked up with lots of hunters and, and then same with the butcher shops. If you make connections there, there's a lot of, you know, bones being thrown in the garbage can and that kind of thing too. So, um, you kind of have, you probably have to tell them they're for your dogs though. (laughs)
0: well yeah it's funny you got and you like because i know in for researching this book and some of the recipes i was doing like i was doing recipes involved like blood and like pig or chicken skin and things like that and i ended up becoming friends with you know a local butcher who at first thought i was very weird but then they got used to me and they realized what was going on and they would give me some of this stuff for free because they're like who wants this like they just give me like bags of pork skin. Cause they're like, I mean, okay, if you want it, like take it. I'm like, how are people not taking advantage of this? It's crazy anyway but yeah yeah it's funny it's funny though because I can understand the intimidation factor like I tell people too I've got people who are very open-minded and they like to eat meat but they're like I don't know like how do I even find this stuff and what kind of questions do I ask and I do get that it can be intimidating because we again we have such a strange culture that's totally unique to right now and where we are that people think this food is extreme so if you do go and ask for calf brains or pig's blood people look at you like you're trying to, you're going to do a sacrifice or something instead of, I'm just trying to make some food that has been like popular throughout history, everywhere in the world, except for just right now, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy trip, but I also try to tell people, and I think this is one area where I'm like aspiring to be more like you in my book. One of the big things that I talk about is not just why it's healthy and good and good for the planet and all these things to eat nose to tail, but that, Instead of looking at things that are different or unfamiliar as like scary and bad, look at it like this is a new opportunity to like try something and have a new experience, and maybe it'll be really positive and awesome, and you'll learn a lot and you'll you know open open up your heart and your mind to new things. And it's such a low risk. I mean, you took a pretty high risk um, endeavor going and being on a loan, but for something like this, what's the worst that could happen? You try some beef heart and you don't like it, and you know you're fine. But if you do like it you know, you've opened up a whole new door for yourself. So I just kind of try to like, make it more like an adventure, like a positive, exciting opportunity instead of some like big, scary, intimidating thing. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, people are interested to try maybe a new, um, outdoor sport or something for the first time. Cause it's exciting and new and the same thing with foods are exciting yeah. and new. I, I love that perspective. And yeah, what you were saying just before that too, what's really crazy about this whole thing is this is a brand new thing in the last hundred years that you know Americans aren't eating the whole animal yep. a hundred years ago and the whole this is a very recent thing and I, I love the trend that it's coming back everybody's realizing because we're seeing all these chronic health problems and It's because yeah. we're not eating how humans have been eating forever up until the last hundred years you know we need that we need that bone broth so
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah oh, and one other thing I wanted to say to you too is I love that you're getting into hunting and also if you ever want to have that experience, whether it's a hunting experience, but, or if you want to have that experience with a domestic animal, I do teach animal processing classes and I'd love to have you, you know, if you ever want to have that experience in taking a domestic animal, it's a little different um, but it's really intimate and you really are there and a part of the whole thing just, getting to hang out with the live animal. And then, and then, you know, later that day eating, eating I would, the
0: animals. I would love that. Like as soon as I can come to Montana or wherever you are, I would love that. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, you know, I interviewed a farmer for the book and that was a, a conversation I had is for people who like me are not as into this, uh, you know, not as far along on our journey as some other people, but we're open and we want to start learning and leaning into this experience. Like, can we visit a local farm on harvest day and like, maybe not necessarily participate, but you know, watch or be a part of it in some way and kind of bear witness to it. And she was saying that that can be tough because she's like, you know, there's all these sort of weird liability things or like who knows what kind of weirdos are gonna show up. And like, I don't know, it's like, it's, it's you know more complicated in practice than in theory, I guess. But I love that there are more opportunities for stuff like that with professionals, with people who understand the process and understand, you know, the seriousness of it. Um, Cause that's, that's how we get started. Like, and I was even thinking about for hunting, like I'm obviously when I go, I need to go with experienced people because just reading about something in a book and taking a test doesn't mean I have any idea what I'm getting into, right? Like I need to go and watch people do it. I need to like, just be out there with other people hunting first for a while and see what it feels like. And, you know, I, I really want to like ease into it. Do it the right way. Feel as comfortable as I possibly can, and it's not something that I think people should take lightly. And like, like I said, any experience I've had with with hunters and people who teach this stuff, they do not take it lightly. They take it really seriously. They're very professional people. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to to get more into it. So I'll keep you posted. Um, awesome. I love I'm that, like, and I do.
1: Re- yeah. yeah, I do recommend going with somebody because it's yeah. it's more fun. You learn. You learn so so much. And um, and then even if you don't get anything, you can scavenge from their stuff.
0: Exactly. I'm like, give me the heart, bring it over here. So what's, what's your favorite, what are some of your favorite meals, dishes, like organ meat preparations? Like what are some of your favorite things to make?
1: Well, I haven't ra- written an amazing cookbook like you.
0: I'll <laughs> so send you a I copy like of mine so I've, you
1: can try it. it I would, I'm sure it's awesome. I'd love that. Well, okay. Favorite recipes. I mean, first thing, usually I just will grill up. This is a lot of the things that I do are really basic. And I think it's maybe because just my lifestyle is a little more conducive to whatever's the most energy efficient, I guess, which is a little boring, but heart liver and onions just grilled up in a skillet right over the fire. That's like the first meal after a hunt or after you know, a uh, slaughter day or transition day, if you want to have gentler words, um, mm-hmm. is that heart and liver and onions right over the fire. I just love so that. Love do you it. do? Do yeah. you
0: ever use any like additional cooking fat? Like I would imagine, I suppose you could use the animal fat as well, but like, do you use anything else? Like, I don't know, ghee or like, do you use rendered fat that you already have? Like, how does that work?
1: Right. Yeah. I love, I do love ghee I love ghee, love rendered animal fats. And usually so a lot of the animals that I'll, you know, be harvesting aren't necessarily that fatty, you know, yeah. while you know, deer, elk, goats, Game. none of them have a ton of fat on them. But I'll usually do one animal a year, whether it's like help a friend with one of their pigs, or um, I might or, you know, sheep and lambs, they have more fat. or So whatever fatty animal for the year, then I render all that fat down and then just have canned fat. And so I just have so that good. to work off through the year. Yeah, so and then good. if I can link up with someone who gets a bear, I do not like hunting bears. I I would if I had to or something, but I, that's not my choice. I don't really want to go out and hunt a bear, but a lot of people do, and their fat is my favorite fat of all the fats and so i'll try to link up with someone on a bear hunt and then render a bunch of bear fat and have that for the year and then, so when I'm frying up things, I'll just scoop some bear fat in there.
0: Okay, I gotta get I gotta get on this because I've heard that from a couple other friends of mine, including a hunter chef who makes like amazing, even like baked goods with like, literally like bear fat shortbread cookies and stuff. What? That's crazy. Okay, so what's, so for example, one of my favorite animal fats is like duck fat. I just think it has a delicious, like smoky flavor. I love making like duck fat potatoes and eggs and duck fat and things like that. Mm-hmm. How does Yum. like-
1: how does like bear fat
0: compare like what kind of flavor or taste does it have can you describe it
1: yes so it's it is the best in pastries and i do hear from other bakers that bear fat is their favorite fat to bake with for for pastries and things it's so good oh you and when you're rent when i'm rendering bear fat if you didn't know i was rendering bear fat and you walked in you'd be like oh am i in a french bakery or something that's how it smells (laughs) It's magic. So
0: cool. Yeah.
1: And the consistency is that like of lard of pig fat. So it's really smooth and creamy, but it's just sweeter and a little more delicious than pig fat. But I would if I had to choose one to compare it to, it'd be pork fat, pig fat. Okay. Lard.
0: Well, yeah. there's plenty of bears up here. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe someday I'll get my hands on some of it. Um yeah. and yeah. I
1: really do like cooking with blood too. Like mm-hmm. um, just exchanging you probably have this in your book but exchanging blood for what you what you might use eggs you know you just put the blood in and I love making blood brownies and um, blood sausage and stuff too so
0: because blood I guess this is what I learned is it works well in like chocolate and desserts because it does something similar to what like a lot of people will put like espresso in their brownies because that that flavor brings out the chocolate and I guess the blood does that too but I made in the book I have two blood recipes one is they're both like blood pudding basically but one's a savory Mm. one like blood sausage and one's like a chocolate pudding and the chocolate it was like the best dessert ever and I it was one of the only ones too that I was able to get people who were like a little bit squeamish to try because I was just like look it's chocolate pudding dude just put a little bit in your mouth and they're like this is so good i'm like there's blood in it anyway um but yeah it's i find with
1: those (laughs) that's awesome i do find with that stuff it's better to tell people afterwards because if you're like they're blood brownies no one will touch them but if you don't say anything they gobble them up i did this with teenagers one time they gobbled these brownies up and then I told them they were like
0: oh my gosh blood and- yeah I'm, I'm a big fan <laughs> like of you like you loved them you guys love them yeah you gotta trick them as long as they're you know whatever you you know they're, they're gonna be and, like game for it
1: is as long as they're down for yeah some trickery obviously yeah. you don't want to do that to like a vegan or something yeah, I accidentally true. almost did that one time but
0: because i forgot I, I you're like these are I vegan make... except for the little bit of blood that i put in these brownies
1: well that's what happened because there wasn't anything else in this particular batch of brownies there wasn't anything there wasn't eggs or anything and so i was like oh they're 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 vegan brownies and then my friend was like except for the blood i'm like yes. oh right 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 never mind they're definitely not oh, vegan man i love that i love that a lot um
0: <laughs> okay. So I could ask you a million more questions. I really want to be respectful of you and your goats time. Cause I know you guys have been, been outside talking for an hour, but I just kind of one more kind of big question that I just wanted to like round this out because we touched on it when you were talking about your experience, um, with alone and, and being out there in the elements for all that time by yourself and, and surviving. But I, how do you have any advice for the rest of us who are not going to do that? Um, to have, to, to just be able to access more joy and gratitude and like intrinsic happiness in our lives. that's a really big question. And I know that a lot of it is like, we're, we're different personalities. We, we feel emotion in different ways, but I just think that your ability to do that makes you such a resilient person. And I think all of us can, can benefit from that. And I think that there are ways we can learn it and like practice it and make it a habit in our life. So do you have any advice for those of us who might find ourselves kind of being a little bit ungrateful, a little bit unhappy and, and wanting to find ways to kind of tap into that?
1: Yeah, I think that is just a really great question. And, there's a couple of different ways I could answer it, but you know, when I was out on a loan, everything's boiled down to the basics. And for me to be like, okay, I have food, wow, I have water, I have just shelter, and I have a fire. I am so freaking grateful for those things because all four of those things are really challenging and not guaranteed. And So I think that in, you know, this modern life, there's a lot going on for everybody. And it's just easy to kind of get swept up in all of that. And I would, for me, it's kind of like this coming home, deciding to just sort of come home to that core, that those basics, those basic things, and just take a moment. I mean, and this is almost like cliche advice, but like take a moment and breathe and just feel your body feel that you're alive and then be like, and this is what I'll do. Cause I'll come, when I came back into modern society, it was so overwhelming. All of a sudden I went from the most basic life to just, you know, the lights and the cars and the radio and all that kind of stuff. And I just had to be like, okay, just like breathe. Like I'm breathing. I'm in my body. I'm safe. I have water. I have food. I have, if it's not fire, warmth, shelter, like, wow, I'm good to go. I don't really need to worry about everything else. Like none, it's okay. Everything is just fine. And so I know it's hard when you're in, when you are in a place of feeling really stressed out or really upset to be like, oh, I have food. Well, I just don't, what does that, that's not gonna make me happy in that moment. Mm -hmm. For me, it's helpful um, to have that reminder because I think I have this sort of baseline to remember because I know what it's like to not have it. And so maybe a recommendation would be thinking a time in your life when you didn't have some of the things that you have now and that you were really struggling and wanting that. And you, for me, it's like, wow, I have a bowl of hot food. This is freaking amazing. This is so special. This is such a gift. And I feel so grateful for this simple thing. And so maybe thinking of a time in your life where you didn't have something or you were uncomfortable and now that you have that thing and just kind of touching into the gratitude of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and a big thing that I come back to again is, oh, hi, Katon. Do you have a recommendation? The goats are such good teachers for this kind of thing because they're in the, they're always in the present. They're never worried about, they're not stressing out about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They like, don't even think about tomorrow.
0: Yep. We could <laughs> so, all benefit from that, I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Which is hard for, you know, you say it's hard for us with our, you know, because, oh, well, if I don't think about tomorrow, you know, what, how am I going to make sure I pay the rent or have food and this kind of stuff. But I think it is possible to live life. You know, you can take care of those things, but really embody that, just the joy of being alive right now. And, you know, maybe that thing in the future happens or it doesn't happen, but I'm alive right now. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, a thing that when I was young, I lost two of my brothers. They they died, and so when I, I was seven years old, and so I realized from a young age that tomorrow is not guaranteed, the next moment is not guaranteed, and that is really sort of built my life perspective. Just knowing, like I'm not gonna stress out and ruin my day because I'm stressed out about what ha- might happen tomorrow. And the same thing came up on a loan because I'm a skinny person and I knew that they could pull, they might pull me for weight at any point, even if I felt like I was the strongest, strongest woman and I could do anything. Mm -hmm. They still might be like, oh, yeah, but you're just skinny. So we're going to take you, we're going to pull you, even though I felt like I had so much more time. So I just knew that that was a possibility. And I had, and I, I would feel that stuff start to come up like, Oh, I'm, I'm worried. You know, what if they pull me the next med check just because I'm not a big person and I don't want that. But it, that was just out of my, what I could do was just f- do the best I could out there do the yeah. best I could try to get as much food as I could eat as much as I could, but I'm going to, I wanted to enjoy that experience. I didn't want to sacrifice that precious, precious moment and time out there did I go away for a second? Yeah,
0: That's okay. You're back.
1: It's just a low battery thing, but I didn't, I could have chosen to sacrifice that precious moment out there for, and worrying about, Oh, they could pull me. Oh, they could pull me. And that could dominate. That could be my dominating thought or my dominating thought could be like, I am going to suck the nectar out of this moment and just enjoy everything because I don't know when it's going to end. They could pull me tomorrow. I could slip and fall and I could go home tomorrow. And then same with like tying my brother's deaths, like they had their whole lives ahead of them and they're dead. And so I don't know what's happening tomorrow. So I'm going to just enjoy this moment here right now. And so that's kind of how I look at things and that may or may not be helpful to other people, but it's what works for me.
0: That is so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it resonates with everybody, honestly, because at least the element of that nothing is promised, you know, and going back to watching the show, like one of the most memorable, I don't want your battery to die while we're finishing this off here, but- It said 20, so we're good. Okay, we'll be, we'll be quick. Okay, plenty of time. One of the more memorable um, moments for me from your season was Kai um, fishing, ice fishing. And like one of the first times she caught a fish and her reaction, it was the most joy I have ever, it was the most spontaneous joy. And it was because she didn't know if this was going to come. This is something that's literally keeping her alive. This Nobody feels like this when they pick up salmon at the grocery store, right? But watching right? her work that hard and get this fish, and she was so happy. And I think there was a time where she lost one, and it was the exact opposite emotion that we had to watch but yeah just this this idea that like we don't have to be we don't have to put ourselves in incredibly risky situations to be able to step back and realize that yes any of us could get hit by a car tomorrow someone could get cancer and die you could lose your job you could lose your anything and just to remember that and instead of letting that make you sad let that make you so happy for what you do have I think that's an incredible An incredible way to look at it and it is something that anybody can tap into because every single person listening to this has more things to be grateful for than they do to be pissed off about so
1: right um, exactly and i think we just we just forget about it because there's so we're getting so much stimulus all the time and we're seeing getting stimulus from all these other like oh like well you know, these other people have all this stuff. Like I don't have that stuff. I want those things or whatever it is, but it's like just awakening to everything you do have. We are so fortunate and just to be alive, even if you have a shit job or like your situation isn't exactly what you want it to be, but like to be alive in our bodies right now, it is a huge, huge, huge gift, huge gift. And then we have the power to change the things that we're not super excited about if we're focused on how it sucks, that's not going to be the thing that moves us into, okay, what can I do about it? Is this something I can do something about? Or if mm-hmm. it's not surrender to that. And if it is, how can I change that and look forward to that next exciting thing?
0: I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. So I know this would be the perfect place to end off because that was very good, a good like finisher, but you did bring up another point that I forgot to ask. And that is, do you guys try to fatten up before you go on the show?
1: Oh yeah, everyone tries to fatten up. Because
0: I feel like <laughs> I watch the show so much. and There's always at least two or three contestants and of course armchair like observer here where we're like, hey, you should do this. But I'm like, this person is very lean and they're just showing up like guys fatten up. But I mean, I guess it's easier for some people than others.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's on everybody's mind. It's yeah. on everybody's mind. Um, I think almost everybody tries, some people just are like, well, I'm not going to be able to do it. So maybe I won't, but most everybody tries their damnedest to fatten up. I know I did, but you know, it just depends on the body type you yeah. are. And some body types just don't, don't put it on as much. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was tricky, but I certainly, I think I put on 20 pounds or so, but That's I worked good. so hard for it. Yeah, it was so hard.
0: It's not that, I mean, that, you know, a lot of people who think it's easy to, to just gain weight quickly. I mean, usually when people gain weight, it is consistently over a period of time. Like it's not very easy to pack on pounds. Like, I don't know how much time you have generally between like finding out you're going to be on the show and being on the show. How long is that usually?
1: Uh, it's not long. I think we had July, August. Um, less than two months yeah
0: yeah so that's really yeah. not that long to, to yeah. try to pack on a ton of weight yeah seven
1: maybe seven weeks or something like that yeah, yeah so it's not it's not that long but okay
0: no that's you good would to... know you
1: yeah you could be like a consultant for I people would... that are going on a loan for to how to how to cause, oh, because because many bare fat cookies <laughs> yes oh that's what i want to eat <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's such a good idea. But it's funny because it is something I thought about a lot because I, you know, I work a lot with people on like body composition. Of course, in the real world, people are always trying to lose fat or at least women are often. Um, but yeah, the gaining, just gaining weight in a very quick period of time. But I, I know there were some seasons where you were watching certain contestants where it literally was just a matter of if they had maybe come in 10, 20 pounds heavier they could have won or they could have la- like outlasted people. Like it really is just such a game of calories. It's pretty crazy.
1: It's, it's so, it's a huge factor. And I mean, yeah, we could talk a bunch about that, but it's absolutely a huge factor. And, um, but then you have to gain weight in the right way though, too. Cause if you just gain it, I mean, the fastest way to gain weight is just like, I think is to just eat a bunch of carbs, you know, just eat, you know, pizza and beer or something. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to gain weight. But it's, that's the kind of weight that's going to just, you're going to drop it right when you get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, after a week of eating survival food, you're going to drop all that weight. And so how do you gain weight? That's like nice, dense, fat kind of weight. That's going to, that's going to stick on you a little bit longer.
0: Yeah. That's that might yeah. be my my like goal for 2021 is to figure that out. Cause yeah, I could be a consultant on future seasons. That'd be pretty cool.
1: That would be so <laughs> valuable. People would
0: love it. Yeah. <laughs> like the ten the ten people that are trying to gain weight like that. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. Um, all right, Callie. Thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing for me like i know people listening are like ashley's fangirling so hard but you are like a hero of mine truly um i admire you so much so i just really appreciate you taking the time to share some secrets and some stories with us today
1: oh thank you so much ashley it's just so great getting to know you and chatting with you and thanks for promoting eating the whole animal and just like what it means to be a healthy
0: strong woman so thanks for doing what you do in the world Thank you. And yeah, hopefully I will see you in uh, Montana before too long.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: All right. Take care.
1: You too. Bye.
0: And that's it for today, everybody. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope that this episode had as much of an impact on you as it did on me. Callie's just incredible. Just every once in a while you meet somebody who whose outlook on life and attitude um really, really kind of hits home and makes you change the way you you think a little bit. And that's really what I'm trying to do with this podcast. It's what I'm trying to do with my life in general, is have these experiences and meet these kinds of people and um try to take these. These lessons with me and and get better um, and be happier and better for the people around me. So, um, you know, no pressure, but that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. So thank you for being with me. If you liked this podcast as much as I did, it would mean a lot to me if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can. If you shared this podcast with other people, if you just kind of spread the love a little bit. And uh, don't forget, we've got a new show sponsor, Organifi. Don't waste your time buying a bunch of greens that are going to get all wilted and gross in the back of your fridge because you'd much rather eat something else. Just go straight to the Organifi, put it in your smoothie, put it in your drink. Super easy and convenient. Tastes good. I mean, why not? That's what I'm doing. I. I've come to terms with how I'm going to take in my superfoods. So don't forget, the website is Organify.com forward slash MuscleMaven. The code is MuscleMaven for 15% off. Um, that's it. Have a great week, everybody. Join me next week. I've got an awesome guest talking all about the unique physiology of women's training and how we're not that different, but we're kind of different, and that, how that reflects in our training even with things like the types of exercises we do because our skeletons are different than guy's skeletons. Did you know that? Crazy. All right. Join me next week. Have an awesome day. Take care guys.